So I'm perusing Bricklink.com, which is the Lego secondary market like website. Sure, it's like the Lego dark web. I know it. Go ahead. And I am looking for a one of the Lego Voltrons because I have one that's like upstairs and it's mint in box. It's like perfect. And I, I've never MIB. built it because I like looking at the box and I like I just like that feeling of like, there it is. It's fine. Um, but I still want to build it. And it's been like four years since it came out. So the, the price in the secondary market has gone up. And but but uh, like with a lot of collectibles, if you buy it loose, if you buy it with outside of the box, pre-assembled, pre-built, open box, uh, oftentimes the price will be lower. But what I've never experienced before is watching the low price that was low last weekend mm-hmm. be even lower because the seller lives in Russia and they set their prices in rubles. And now the price is like a hundred U.S. dollars less than it the other than it was last week. It is your American duty to buy this. See, this is this is what I'm concerned about. Okay, do I take the risk and and send this person a couple hundred dollars with the idea that maybe it will not show up? Like, like, because they're shutting down ports, they're shutting down uh, FedEx and UPS are not shipping out of uh, out of Russia right now. Like, I could essentially just throw money at a Russian uh, Lego seller and end up with nothing ever. I'm going to... Okay. Do you want an answer? I, was, I wasn't asking... I wasn't asking a question. So, um, the... Do, you said, do I take the risk oh, oh, and throw okay. money at a Russian? That is a question. It's also maybe rhetorical. I was sort of setting... It's still a question. Setting still the stage. A question. That's why I asked, do you want an answer? I can't know, you know, just from inflection that it's rhetorical. Uh, still setting the stage. I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> I'm not doing it again. Is no. <laughs> no, no. You tell me a story um, for the first time. <laughs> so, 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 uh, do I do that, or do I go to the next highest bidder from a, either from a country or the next highest offer, or sorry, do I go to the next lowest offer from another country that I have more faith in, or do I just go to eBay and buy it for more expensive than the the Russian sellers, but like also more in line with the U.S. sellers on BrickLink. So now uh, is the part where the question I've asked is uh, open for answering. No longer rhetorical. Or no longer a part in a series of questions that all need the same answer. Hmm. Yes, do it. Do which one? <laughs> buy do the it. Russian, buy the no Russian Voltron. I'm not doing that. Come on, it would be awesome. It's, it, it, it's... If it works, you will have such an awesome story about how you got one over on the mother country. <laughs> But I, I guess I mean. In, in, let me just put it this way: right now they have a useless pile of plastic, and I have U.S. dollars. And you could be give, you could be feeding some uh, hungry anti-Putin Russian. I feel like they're, that's they're a selling their collection leaf. so they can feed their babies. I feel like if, if the seller was in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. I would jump all over not, it. Not all hashtag not all Russians, but. But yes, all Russia. <laughs> like the problem is that I can't get things out of Russia. <laughs> well, you, you never know. It could make it. It could be like a Sophie's Choice situation where they're what? like, "I've got this Lego Voltron," <laughs> and this Lego Ghostbusters firehouse, and only one can go through. And the Voltron, it's lighter. It'll it'll have a better chance of making it. It just uh, here. Here's the other thing. Uh, without. This isn't this part. I'm not is not intended to say as a as a humorous aside. I genuinely don't know if this seller is a person that would have been like is available to ship this. Yeah, you don't know if they're still alive, is what you're saying. I don't know if they're still alive. I don't know if they've been locked up because maybe they are not super happy about the situation over there. I mean, it's still worth the risk. No, it isn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just funny. It's not. It's. I mean, I'll I, tell you what, I, Rob. 
you can you can find this yourself. You know, I'll call on any of the listeners, any listener who wants to take a chance at at seeing if they want to spend here. Here's a call to action, listeners. Okay. Okay. Uh, commit your uh, cement your allegiance to Death Readers by going to Bricklink.com and buying the one of the two lowest cost Voltron Legos uh, sets on on Bricklink.com and uh, see if you get it. And then if you do, just sort of send it to me. And it'll oh be heck, cool. we'll we'll interview you on the show. Heck, we'll pay you back. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. I'll do you it. Can pay. I'll, you can pay. I'll, here's sure. the, I'll pay it back. But you're price. only going to pay cost, right? Oh, yeah. I'm only paying cost. Just yeah. make it, do you want to include the link in the metadata for the show? I just want to make it clear that the the experience mm-hmm. is the listener's payment. Um, I, I think I think you're missing out, man. You could be getting some like I, I agree. Russian notes. Oh uh, yeah. Maybe maybe they make a, a different kind of unique brick for for Europe. I just <sighs> Russia's in Asia. No. Oh. I'll give you Eurasia, maybe. Okay. School it right now. Is Rush. Russia in Europe, NATO, Europe or Asia. Here we go. Is it Russia in Europe or Asia? That looks like a good one. Russia is a transcontinental country, a state which is situated on more than one continent. Russia spans the northern part of the Eurasian continent. Like I said. Seventy-seven <laughs> percent of Russia's areas in Asia, which I'm fine. I have no problem with that. So I'm seventy-seven percent right. Seventy-seven percent right in Europe. If this so, was like a, I said, Eurasia. If this was a it's not called question, I would be the only one passing. It's not called Asia Europe. It's called Eurasia. I so. feel like you're in a, a precarious situation where, like, the further you take this argument, mm. the closer you get to being pro-invasion so that you can be more right which i think is really dark and i'm sort of ashamed of you for (laughs) taking that like thought path it's no i'm not gonna say that that's a rude mean thing to say and i don't want to call it into being for a joke um look let me let me let me say this let me say this i can't wait until you're more right okay fair enough (laughs) yeah and there will be less russia in Europe is what I'm going for. Yeah, me in too. In the meantime, you should buy Russian Voltron. Or the listeners can, <laughs> which I like more. As as a person that wants to encourage engagement, I think this is a great opportunity for our listeners to show us how loyal they are and how invested in the show I'm gonna they are. I'm going to make a bold statement, and I'm going to say this is going to be the cold open. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, if that's the case, uh, we might as well start the show. Let's do it. Theme music now. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Tug. I'm Rob. This is episode 132 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading Red Dragon by Thomas Harris from chapter 35 through chapter 41 before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. I think we may have had housekeeping. Oh yeah, I kind of do have a housekeeping. Okay. It is a real esoteric bit of housekeeping. So I okay. ap- apologies to new listeners or listeners who don't actually give a shit. <laughs> but um long time ago, I don't even remember what when this was. Uh faithful listeners will remember back in uh April 2019. Jesus. We had an episode titled uh episode 6 titled Fuck Curling. And I just wanted to say that's a long time ago that I 
recently got really into curling because of the Olympics, and I really enjoyed watching it. You were I, the one who took down curling, and I really and I had a great time. I thought that oh uh, the, the United States curling team was so cool and weird, like they are just waiting for a comedy film to be written about them with like Danny McBride and Will Ferrell. Well, now this episode has to be called Fuck Curling, but with like a winky smiley face. Fuck Curling addendum. Curling's pretty cool. Or Fuck Curling, please? Or like, fuck. Sweet love. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fuck Curling. Like you say it like, uh, you're, like you're Keanu Reeves. Like, whoa. <laughs> curling? say a bad word. What? Keanu Reeves would never curse. Yeah, he did. No, probably. Have you never seen Point Break? Anyway, uh, actually, uh, I think we've talked about this. I, I watched like thirty minutes of Point Break, and then there was a gas leak, and we had to vacate the premises. Wow! I never went back. Wow! You should watch that movie, um, just because it's fucking weird. Uh, there's this amazing sequence. Like Gary, uh, Gary Busey has this amazing sequence where he he commands and demands that Keanu Reeves' character bring him like two or three meatball subs. <laughs> that he's going to eat on their stakeouts and he's just like he just like leans out of the fucking car window or something and like does one of those weird whistles that is really loud and he goes he goes and he's like hey 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 utah two subs it's just so fucking weird because they're supposed to be incognito they're on a no, steak yeah like, yeah i'm just i'm just i'm just like i'd blow my cover for a meatball sub those are tasty <laughs> yeah um so anyway fuck curling uh it turns out curling yeah, i mean Hey, if you didn't, if you weren't caught up in the fervor of the excitement of the U.S. curling teams, uh, men's curling teams' uh, success, then I don't. I, I tell you, go back and watch, or even like the Italians, the Italian, like the 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 pairs. Oh, amazing! Um, so yeah, my apologies to curling. Maybe it was a better episode title. Apologies to curling. And that, oh, that is 130 episodes or whatever. <laughs> 127 uh, 5 6 127 5 126 yeah um so there you go that's our housekeeping <laughs> Just okay. it, uh, i got into curling um all right well do you have any more housekeeping i do not well well i'm glad i got that off my chest so I guess we should just start this show and go Let's into chapter 35. Summary. Dolorhide treats Reba with a trip to the zoo where she's allowed to touch an anesthetized tiger. Afterwards, they spend the evening at Dolorhide's house where they make love for the first time. His first time with a living woman. In the morning, he is struck by a new division between himself and the dragon. Panicked, he escorts Reba out of the house. Francis has a wide range of new emotions to deal with, a newfound acceptance from a person who, despite her disability, can look past the parts of himself he finds ugliest. Unfortunately, before the chapter ends, Francis assaults a gas station attendant for ogling Reba. That's that's the hap what happens to that chapter. I like how much Thomas Harris leans into making us empathetic. Mm. Or feel empathy for uh, Dollarhide because it seemed like he could have just given us a troubled background and le left it at that. But there are definitely times, and I've read the book before, there are definitely times in this chapter where I'm rooting for him. Like, you can mm. come back from this somehow. You can beat it. You can beat the dragon. That's not going to happen. No, Spoilers. but he's also already killed a lot of people. <laughs> sure. Sure. Like, no, he's I already... know, but I'm just saying I, this is a pure emotional reaction. This is not a. Uh, the other thing, the the brain one, mm -hmm. the thinky one, the thinky one. It's not a thinky reaction. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. it's a hearty reaction. Mm -hmm. Brainy, brainy thoughts versus hearty feels. Yeah, brainy thoughts versus hearty feels. Yeah. Um. Uh, I hear you. I, I I think that uh Thomas Harris does a really good job at at writing this character in this way. It's not. Exactly what I... It's interesting because it's like, I like the hunt for this guy more than I like his journey because, sure. well, because it's not that it's bad or there's anything wrong with it. I just very much wanted... 
him to, to I just want I don't I like I don't know. You just want him to be a bad guy because it's easier. I mean, no, it's not even that. It's just that it, th- this it feels like a kind of like a speed bump. Like we have all this real big energetic build up to the Freddie Lowndes murder, and then there's this like crescendo of Freddie Lowndes fucking murder, and then it's like weird disabled people uh romance story and um or maybe not be the right terminology for referring to that but it it's you know there it's it's it just becomes this sort of romance book and well kind of a rom-com in places yeah it will it, yeah if, if the thing like, you're trying to hide a joke which is the one thing that i can't get over in this chapter where it's how do i know he's asleep we'll tickle him <laughs> and if he wakes up, run. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Did he make a joke? What? Maybe he wasn't making a joke. Maybe he was just being oh. sincere. Maybe. Maybe it read like a joke, but. Um... I think that's an that's a thing that happens to me a lot. Sometimes I'll say things and people will laugh and I'll go, yes. <laughs> it was a joke. I appreciate that response, though, because I hate it when people say something and I laugh at the ridiculousness of it. Maybe that's not what they're selling, but I, I there's a meta context to it that I'm laughing at. And they're like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, yeah, I know you're serious. It's still <laughs> fucking funny. It's still funny to laugh at the thing you've said. Yeah. No matter how much misery that person feels. Sure. Mis- misery. Um. I'll cut that. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh... But no, the, the 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 aspects of it that I find it, it that I have problems with is that is that pacing issue where it feels like we're reading like I kind of feel like I'm reading a, a different book. Sure, and, totally. And that and that's it feels interruptive and in it's that like a, way it's like a reverse dust till dawn. Where oh gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dawn, they've gone down a level to a slightly more mundane story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then and and instead of being like, wow, I can't believe there are real vampires around here now, and or or like they're they look this crazy it's now. Like it's we're like we're hunting vampires, and now we're just gonna rob a bank. What? Yeah, and and it's 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 fine. Like it's it's well done. It just like so. Just to give you a hint of a minor spoiler, I remember there being some backstory for James Gum in Science of the Lambs. I feel like trying to do some of the same things. I don't remember it being as much. I don't know if it's as successful empathy wise. So I just want to be on the lookout for that if we get to that book. Okay. Um, let's see. What else was I going to say about this? Um, so yeah, that's, that's this whole section is basically that stuff. It's the, Mm -hmm. the investigation is run dry essentially, and it's not exciting. And now we're in this relationship thing where the, the, the drama becomes, will dollar Hyde be able to control his, the, the, his becoming, or will he complete it? And what happens after that? And by the end of these, chapters it, it it's sort of clear what where which direction we're going but right now it's very much the like slower aspect of the start of all of that well it also seems when we get to the couple of um chapters where it's meanwhile at back at the investigation mm-hmm. the, the i think like you were saying the pacing that the cutting back and forth is weird mm-hmm. it's it's like we spend hours here and then three minutes with the investigation before we come back to this. And it, that's, that's very a little lopsided. I honestly would have been, no, I'm not, I don't know yet if I can really fully get behind this thing I'm about to say, but uh, I kind of feel like I would rather have waited until whatever's happening with dollar hide hits a real solid, like uh, finished point and then have a, a larger chapter about the investigation where it's like right everyone's you know in a room smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee trying to figure out how they're what they're going to do next and something breaks and, the, and then they even they could maybe that's boring maybe that's shitty but it's, it feels like it, it feels like you could contain this other story by itself without it being interrupted and and this the break could be something like saying like you know crawford could say to Graham something like will we haven't had a new lead in a month like uh, it's almost the next full moon. Like we're supposed, this is supposed to happen, but this way, I think that's what this is doing faster. I think the timeline I'm thinking of is actually too long. Mm-hmm. And the timeline that they're dealing with is much faster. Cause I think he mentions at some point, dollar Hyde mentions at some point in these chapters that the next new moon is like in six days. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. 
So he has um, got to he's got to do his becoming pretty quick. Similarly, although also different, this is the longest chapter I think that we read this time, and this is basically two different. There's there's the tiger date, and then there's the night together, and yeah. those could have been two different chapters as well, mm-hmm. and they could have put more in between. It's it's well, it, it is just structurally interesting. I like that they're the same night because it, 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 it makes... Oh, it could still be the same night, but it didn't did it have to be the same chapter. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, Yeah, so that's that's what that chapter was about. Do you have any other notes in that chapter? Um, I like how much uh, the smell is used. Yep. And not just Reba, um, but like the doctor noticing her hair smells, I think, like hay under the hot lights or something like that. And he's just a minor character. And you can tell that Thomas Harris is really into smell. Sure. And, you know. I Maybe, maybe I don't know. I, I think of it, I guess it depends on what you mean by really into. He doesn't neglect smell when it comes to describing the scene. I would think. His characters are always mentioning smell. Yeah. Whether they can tell someone, for example, used Evian skin cream and sometimes they wear Blair de Tom. I was interpreting day. it as he was doing that as a way to sort of invoke a unsettling feeling because it isn't something that's usually described. I-, I feel like it's usually described. You can do a lot of <sighs> hearing and seeing but and, and even maybe tasting, but smelling is a very specific description for a sense in, in writing that maybe, and I'm not the best at having read a no. lot of things, but no, sure. It, but it is, you know, famously the most, uh, what is it? Memory inducing sense. It smells tied to memories more than any other sense we have. So maybe he's just a guy who, like, this is untapped and I'm going to go for it. But I didn't think about the unsettling thing. Well, I, when I think about it. I think about it. Be, yeah, that, that's how I look at it or treat it is, is that when he when he does when if someone tells you that they can smell something about you, mm-hmm. like how often does that really happen to you? Apparently not that often. Right. And, and I don't think that's uncommon for, for it's, it's what probably most people deal with is not getting a lot of comments about their smell or, or about something smelling in a way that would be revealing. There's certainly a number of times where I've wanted to ask somebody about their smell. I'm like, I, I can't do this in a way that I don't come off creepy. Exactly. Which is, again, why my that's the this is all the things that informed my observation that I feel like <laughs> his use of smell is there to invoke creepiness. Interesting. Because it is a thing that do, is uncommon. It's personal. Yes, it is very personal. It's, it's if, it, it, you know, like if you told someone uh, something like, you wear the same perfume my grandmother wore. Like that. I don't know if you could say that in a way that wouldn't at least make the hairs on the back of that person's neck, like, elevate a little. Yeah. There, there have been a number of times where I've just wanted to know, like, for my wife, what a particular scent was, because I really liked it. But I'm, I always get to the point where I'm like, I can't ask this person because they're going to think I'm coming on to them. Right. There's, there's no way I can do it. So I'm just like, nope, oh well. It was a nice smell. So Smell yeah, later. so I I was interpreting it, and this is not to say that there is any that there's a right way or a wrong way to interpret it, but oh. I was interpreting it as like especially for Reba who has to rely on her non sight senses, smell would be important for her, but also for someone like Dollarhide, uh, who is a creep, uh, smell may be another like important thing to make again make the audience unsettled by investing in by plumbing. Sure. My only other note here is, and it was, it was, it was, I jumped the gun a little bit. I was, I, I, amused isn't quite the right word, intrigued by how sweet and wonderful the whole night had been. And then he puts on the film and I thought he was going to be watching the murder and I was so creeped out by that. And it's only a modicum less creepy because he's watching the application video of the, the new family. Who are they? The shepherd? Yeah, the shepherds. Something like that. Um, he's watching that, but I thought Sherman's. I totally thought Sherman's. I totally thought he was going to be watching the snuff film while Reba just laid there, and they were all cuddled. And I'm like, that's so creepy. Um, but that didn't isn't exactly what happened, so it wasn't that bad. But still, kind of creepy. Yeah, I mean, this guy's not going to be uncreepy. That's true. But he's not Mister Normal. 
no but it's 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 yeah, you're right it's creepy uh i do kind of want to make one more note about oh. that chapter before we're still in chapter 35 um the only other thing i'll say about that chapter or this chapter is that uh I was I was uncomfortable with the sequence where she uh, has her head in his lap, and then what she what she does. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say. As everything in this book goes, it was done very tastefully. However, <laughs> God damn it, dude. Can't say that. God damn it! You cannot. You cannot say that the oral sex scene was done tastefully. Uh, Yes, I can. Oh my god! Oh, would you grow up? I. (laughs) That was what he did. I will say, when she turned her glistening cheek to him, (gasps) that was a detail I could have done without. That's exactly the thing that that uh, sort of like made me gag was the idea that he has she she has a glistening cheek yes it's like oh cool i get it for some reason this is weirder than the than the stuff he did to the jacobis uh maybe it's just been a long time since i read about him doing something horrible because for whatever reason but like i really didn't and this is the most like innocent one. This is all like this is voluntary. This but is all it's like consensual. Yeah, it's uh, loving, it's enthusiastic, and consensually. Uh, yeah, and it's still a moment. <laughs> it's, it's still unsettling and yeah. and gross and like not. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe what makes it so. I mean, unsettling. I'm not going to call it gross. I will. Both adults. No, I'll call it gross because it's because there's a thing we know about him that she doesn't know that if she knew she may affect her choice. Okay. Okay. And so sure. like yes, so, yes, yes. So in that way, like the the grossness is she isn't actually quite informed. She's well, informed about I mean, what she's can't doing. Can't be true about everybody. Everybody has their secrets. I I will allow. Can you truly never know another person. So murder is completely off the table for you, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm, I'm saying that I, I would guess that, like, there's a difference between being a murderer and having, like, uh, oh, I was divorced once. <laughs> like, I mean, those are those are different things. There's different levels of, like, you know, information to eventually learn about a person. Right. Right. And I have a feeling that if she's lucky enough to learn about his murderers, his murders and survive, then uh she'll regret it hope maybe yeah. i don't know who knows um but i just have a feeling he's not gonna he's not gonna make it out of this thing he's not making it out of this book that's how i'm no. i'm feeling so i uh, i don't remember if she does but um yeah that's so anyway uh yeah that was the last thing i just wanted to bring up the 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 the, the, the thing the thing the, the thing about this chapter yeah okay anything else what is the next one? <laughs> uh, chapter 36. All right. Summary. Will receives the tape Dollarhide made with Freddie Lowndes. He studies the tape and discovers there was no projector in the victim's house. Why did I say that? Um, I don't remember why I wrote that that way, but um, that's true. It's Anyway, uh, then Will springs into action trying to trace the projector back to the killer. I must have like missed a sentence or something in there to join those two things because all of that's true. Will does get the tape from the Tadler and, and from the FBI of Freddie Well, he's Mouse's just pouring life. over everything. So. But what he gets back is the tape that Dollarhide made Lowndes yeah. read uh, that was then called into the Tadler and was re- played for them. And so he gets that. So, so he listens to that alone a couple times and hears all these things in there. And I don't remember exactly. That's the part that's missing is the connection between that, which does happen and is important in this chapter and the part where he realizes that someone has a projector. I think it's just him going over shit and going over shit. And he's listening to the thing. He's going over the evidence, which were uh, not Xerox, but the other thing kind of copies like carbon copies or Mm -hmm. whatever. And at one point he just notices that weird discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And it's just you know. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yeah. 
Um, but he does have a couple moments of being disgusted by the things that happened on the tape. Like, I, I think, I guess something I didn't understand or realize at the time or remember was that when, uh, Dolorhide bites Freddie Lowndes' lips off, he's still recording. Yeah. So that was interesting. I mean, he's clearly, you know, editing as he probably in tape, you know, pause, pause, pause. Right, but, right. but he definitely recorded that part, which was. Ugh. I felt like that was new information. Yeah, um, I, I think the, I think it was also. Yeah. And then and then some poor courier has to listen to it. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit, I'm out. Yeah. Well, he could just he could just assume he doesn't know what's happening on that tape and be fine. Yep. Um, I don't have any notes in this chapter. No more notes. All right. What's next? Chapter 37 is next. Summary. Dolorhide exercises in his attic while the Great Red Dragon berates him, taunts him, and tortures Francis until the dragon takes control of their body, leaving Francis defeated. And I'm pretty sure he does some... I think he, like, pinches his own penis with the... With, with the grandma's, dentures? With grandma's yep. dentures. There's a lot to unpack in that. We're not going to do it because we're not psychiatrists, but goddamn, dude. Well, he's also not a real person. I guess we can we, we we can have a field day then. Well, what I mean is like any conjecture we would have would be even more conjecture because we're talking about a fictional character's psycho- psychosis. Wait, isn't that isn't that what we're here to do? We could. I'm just saying, like you know, the the reasoning for not doing it because we're not psychiatrists is like, you know, I don't don't hold yourself back. If you want to conjecture about this guy, go for it because uh, okay, he's not real. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if. The, the thing about that is what you're really criticizing in that would be Thomas Harris's impression of what a real person would be like, which is a fair thing to d- discuss when analyzing literature. So if you would like to. No, I still oh, don't. Okay. Okay. Um, but I mean, he was putting his penis in his grandmother's mouth effectively. Ah, yeah. I, I thought of it less literally. I thought it more oh, okay. like it was... Uh, so the, the dentures obviously represent his grandmother, and the act represents the threat she always threatened him with about cutting his penis off. And right. so it's less like she has her mouth on his penis, and more like this this sharp representation of her is going to do the thing she... like. He's going to make it do the thing she always threatened. But there is also an element of uh, consuming like a monster would. I didn't get that. By using the dentures, and not she. She could have easily, or she. The dragon was using Grandma's voice clearly, but could easily have made him go get the, the the shears. But the shears aren't like part of her. It's it's this. It's the well, dentures. These these the, these are the ones he made too. So these dentures oh. are actually part of the dragon. Oh, interesting. Remember, they're modeled on Grandma, but they fit him. Mm. But I don't know. that's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right, so that brings us to chapter 38. Summary. Francis Dollarhide drives to a motel some miles away from his home, likely in preparation for killing the Shermans. Still struggling with the dragon, Francis drives home in a daze and forces himself through great strain to resist the dragon and drive towards an airport away from Reba. Done? Oh, okay. You'll put it on the uh, coffee table? Um, great strains to drive away from Reba. Yep, that's we can just go from there. That was the end of it. Yeah, no, I know. Um, do you have any notes in this chapter? I don't. Me neither. I, I got to be honest. I think I have maybe one, maybe one or two real notes in this whole section. I think um, I, in fact, there's one that I meant to look up. So I'm gonna do some housekeeping right now. Whoa! But you can go ahead and. Uh, well, you'd have to get me into the next one. Oh, you mean chapter thirty-nine? There we go. Summary. Dolorhide flies to New York City where he visits the Brooklyn Museum, the home of the Great Red Dragon and the woman bathed in sunlight. Is that clothed in sun? Clo- Great Red Dragon and the woman clothed in sun? I think there's definitely a couple of different artworks by Blake featuring right. the Great Red Dragon, so I don't know which one. I think it's woman clothed in sun. Uh, but that's where this painting uh, is housed. Uh, and uh Dollarhide's behavior is odd as if he's casing the joint keeping an eye out for exits and elevators so it, it, it's exactly that though the chapter is him walking through the place and planning something we right. don't yet know but is it a heist it's I something he's at the place where the great red dragon painting is and gosh only knows what he's gonna do with it once he gets it 
I I know, but I I have no notes on this particular chapter. Um, I thought it was a good. It was a really simple preamble to a heist chapter, so it's fine. And probably necessary because whatever might happen in a later chapter would have seemed even more out of left field had there not been this chapter. It was a hundred percent necessary. Although the, my one criticism of it is that. It does feel like a big part of what Thomas Harris is trying to communicate in the previous chapters is that Dollar Hyde is sort of out of control. He's like, he's going between choosing different options of things he's going to do. And none of them are very clear to us. Like we don't really know what the choices he sees before himself are. We just know he's, he's having to choose. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like the, this one where, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I got lost at when he's in control and when he's out of control. Like the, the, the flight to the motel, was that him evading his plans or going through with them? Like is going back to the house, breaking away from the dragon or going towards the dragon? Like right. it, and, and is going to the museum, going away from the dragon or going towards the dragon? I, I don't, I, mean, I don't sure know. He's addled enough that it's both all the time. That's very confusing, or sad. Um, but but I'm I'm saying like some of yes he's constantly in flux in the struggle. But I'm saying which of the actions are leaning which way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like I I want to know in what part of his struggle are we in, not just we're in another hazy moment of struggle. Right. Um. Do you have any more notes in that chapter? I do not. Let's move on to chapter forty. Summary. Will's suspicion that Niles Jacoby stole his family's property and pawned it is confirmed. Unfortunately, this means the killer didn't take the projector and the lead is cold. On the upside, Jacoby did retain a couple film reels, which Graham asked to be shipped to him. Will's relationship with Molly is strained by the stress of the case and their distance. Uh, and then I actually do have a note in this chapter. So. Okay. Do you have any notes in this chapter? Because mine's at the very end. Okay, mine is, at the very end of the chapter, Will, in his hotel, calls, reaches out to Molly because he's feeling sort of lonely and out of it, and he uh, talks to her, and it's like their conversation's brief and sort of curt, and then he talks to Willie, and Willie is super excited because his grandpa bought him a pony. And, and I, Molly didn't mention it. And Molly didn't mention it. And I just thought, like, I, I know... Like, why, why the fuck would you buy someone a pony? Like, I know it's a very typical, like, thing. It's like a, it's a, it's, it's a cliche gesture of wealth and, uh, like, you know, opulence, like ability to do something like that. But if you think about actually doing it, like, it feels like you're giving, like, you give a kid a dog, that's enough of a assignment of a project and responsibility. I felt like there was more going on. Oh. I thought it was her parents had a farm mm. and were set up for the upkeep. I didn't think those were her parents. Those were his father's parents. Either way. Sure. Sure. They were live fat on that baseball money. Anyway, <laughs> they had some kind of place where that was not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. They acquired the pony and it was more about, this is a commitment, which means oh. Willie might be here for a while. Right. Right. And right, Molly right. didn't mention it. Right. Like maybe they and that's, both that's all the shit Will's processing. Like, oh, and everything, I'm losing everything because of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I, I missed, was afraid of, I, but now it's really happening. I missed that and went straight to ponies are uh, are not smart <laughs> to buy. So thank you for helping me see the 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 illusions, the suggestions in this in the writing. Um. That's it. That's my only note for that chapter. It's, it's so I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last chapter is chapter. 41. Summary. Dollarhide makes his way through the Brooklyn Museum under the guise of a researcher who needs to see the painting up close for his work. Once he makes it to the painting, he attacks his guide and eats the painting before making his escape into the New York City crowds. I don't have a lot of notes here, but I really like this chapter. Yeah. I really... (sighs) From a broader perspective, I guess I might be using my words wrong. I like it when books take something that exists in reality and is like, I'm going to fuck that up. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, This is a real painting, and per the book, it stopped being it stopped being in existence in 1980. And the book's like, I don't need to end where life is 
mirroring real life. This is my own world. Screw you. That painting is gone. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of like when uh, Quasimodo burns down Notre Dame. It's like that doesn't that didn't happen in real life. Yeah, it's like or like when 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 the fan of the opera dropped the uh, chandelier on the opera house. Well, yeah, except the Notre Dame did burn down. What, what, what do you want from me, man? I don't fucking know history. That happened like five years ago, <laughs> maybe. That was re- that was like th- that was like th- was it only no that was like three or four maybe three maybe three. It was the last big thing before the pandemic. Jeez. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I also like this chapter. I, I remember this sequence. I remember being shocked by this sequence in the show because mm-hmm. that was the first time I, I hadn't seen the. I've not seen the Red Dragon film uh, or any of them. I think it's done in all the all three versions. It's a pretty important piece of this story. I would be surprised yeah. if it wasn't. But um, also, I'm kind of hopeful that no one actually tries to as a sort of an emulation of this work of art. Like, that's the one thing I'd have to, I would have to be, like, a little bit wary of, of writing a destruction of a great piece of art in a story. Is what if you get a crazy person who's like, yes, I am Francis Dollarhide. Well, I mean, a couple things. One, you can't take that kind of responsibility on yourself. They're crazy. They would have found some other outlet. Two... I'd be more worried about them emulating literally anything else in the book before the painting. No, just this one. Really? This is the only thing I'm worried about. Oh, well, that's that's on me then. I apologize. Life's cheap. There's a whole bunch of people out there ready to just be dead. But there's only only one one... William Blake's. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The Great Red Dragon and the Woman Clothes. Yes. Okay. You know what? That one's on me. I'm sorry. I think you need to get your priorities straight. Apparently. There's human life. Yep extra cheap yep and then there's a, a dearth of human life no not there's dearth. um An yeah. abundance isn't there a word like dearth that means abundance not the opposite doesn't well, matter wealth that's not what Is i liked no that's not what i wanted i wanted a dirtier word um something that something that left residue on my tongue overabundance no that's horrible glut that's pretty good there you go a glut of human life. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I, I remember thinking that, that was really well done in the show, and uh, it's a good piece of uh, madness writing. You know, the way he, he goes about all of his things and the little details he takes into consideration. The the swapping clothes did feel, I mean, I guess I would have, maybe, maybe this is one of those situations where this was one of the earliest times this trick had been done the the swapping clothes and disappearing into the crowd but like it felt it feels like something i've seen many times so in this way it feels cliched but it could be like one of those retroactive cliches sure where it's not really it's not the it's my it's really on me not the book i mean i feel like bond probably did this shit all the time too it's probably a cliche by well, this but point. i know that hannibal does it at the end of silence of the lambs essentially I mean, there's the shot at the end of Silence of the Lambs where he gets off the payphone and he hangs up and he follows Chilter into the crowd. Chilter's, Chilton. Chilton. Chilton into put, the crowd. He just puts a hat on there. The, uh, the idea is he's disappearing into the... the sweet the, sweet Panama hat. Probably a Borsalino. Sorry. He's disappearing into a crowd of people, a sea of people becoming one of many. He's the, 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 the wolf... In sheep's clothing out there, like hmm. pretending that he's not a threat, but he absolutely is. That's the threatening thing about this this moment. And so I have, I ha- like, I feel like I have seen it in that in this series in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just the oh, I'm gonna switch clothes and that'll be my getaway also feels a little like meh. But like I said, it, it, it like I I grew up at a time where when when Watchmen had already been out for like. 20 plus years so everyone who had talked about how fucking great Watchmen was were older than me and i was reading stuff that had already been massively influenced by Watchmen, so so it had already been taken on that sort of like uh the tone of the and the and the the twist that that story the the seriousness of that story so by the time i actually got around to reading Watchmen, it felt tame it felt like something that wasn't it's, really that exciting. It's tame, but I mean, it's tame the same way. I like. I, I think it would still work in real life if you were if you planned some sort of crime and then had a getaway outfit. People aren't going to immediately if they're like this guy was in a red shirt and a blue hat 
and you were wearing something else, that's what they're going to look for first. And it's not going to be until later when they start putting things together. They're like, oh, wait, there's this other guy. We should look into that. Yeah. Too late. He's gone. Totally. So it, it, it's a cliche, but it might work. No, I'm not doubting whether or not it would work. What I'm saying is that as as a writing device, to me, it feels overdone. What mm. I'm trying to address is the idea that at this time in 1981, when this story came out, it may not have been. And I'm so I'm trying to re- like retroactively uh, give this book a pass from my sure modern criticisms. I'm just saying um, I don't think it as a writing device it's it, it's any more overdone than a murder opening a mystery. Okay, I, I think they're both equally viable options that a criminal would pursue. Yeah, again, I'm not talking about that. I'm not well, talking about the well, realism because part it's of realistic. It. I don't see it as a device. All of these things are devices. They're all literary devices. Okay. Uh, what I'm saying is that the effect it had on me, what it, that's all I'm trying to say, is the effect it had on me was lessened, was dulled, I believe, because I've seen it so many times. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, you don't have to apologize. Well, that sounds like I do. Yeah, I don't have any more notes. Do you have any more notes? Just the... Uh, so when he's zoning out... Mm-hmm. With the, uh, I'm going to call her the curator of the William yeah, Blake. Sure. Um, she's like, hello. And he's like, I'm taking cobalt. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Uh, I looked it up and it, it was an old treatment for anemia. Oh. So I guess he's just suggesting that he's just spacey and lightheaded. Yeah, he's quick in his feet too, though. He's he's good uh, at lying. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I was just, I was like, what does taking cobalt mean? Like, I, I imagine a crayon. It's funny. I, I was thinking it was like if you told someone you were on lithium, like I thought it was more like a like a, a, a psychosis thing. Sure. But even that would be probably t- not what he would want to communicate to. Also true. This person. Especially if he's going to leave these people alive. Right. Because, yeah, cobalt's like a metal, too, right? Yeah. It is an element, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Is it so, not? Cause I, no, it, it is. I'm, I well, was imagining some like blue, either crystal or metal, and it's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I was just very much like, what does that mean? And and I, I think that's probably why I thought of lithium so much, because they sure. are both like elements. So, I, yeah. I don't know if there's any, I don't know how many elements people take. Like, I'm not sure how raw those things are, if they would take them. Um, But it's curious to think about as a as medicinal aids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm taking tungsten. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm taking potassium. Ah. Just with a cup of water every day. Yeah. Yeah. Gives me heartburn. Should try cobalt. Yeah. <laughs> we should go through the periodic table and just just be like, review which elements are the tastiest. Uh, we could, but I have a feeling that would just be a little bit borium. <laughs> wow that sir was gold <sighs> alright um, new word alert alright I got a couple new words let's see if okay. we can make this work police Valise? Valise. Valise. Valise is a, I think, an old-timey word for a small suitcase. Yep. Probably smaller than a portmanteau, but I'm not sure. Yep. That's a, it was in this chapter a couple times, and I was like, hmm. And I looked it up, and yeah, I, just, I think it's like a, it's probably one of like those rolling briefcases, like okay. something like that, or like a satchel, maybe. I don't know. I didn't really look up a picture. I know I Louis Prima talks about a valise in a song of his. Ooh. All right, I only have one more. Okay. But it's a good one. Obligor. Obligor? Obligor. Obligor? Was it used in these chapters? Okay, whew. Obligor. Obligor. Is its root word related to obligation? Or is its root word related... Shut up! To oubliette, which means to forget. So now you've ruined that for me. I'm gonna go with obligation. Um, I mean, is, okay. Is is Fair an oblig is an obligor uh, the thing to which you have an obligation? No. Oh. Other other direction. 
The person who has the obligation? Yes. Oh. It is uh, one who is bound by a legal obligation. Okay. Okay. Okay, so if I have an obligation, I am an obligor. I, I think that I don't really know how strict the addition of the word legal is. Sure, sure, sure. So, so I don't know if this is a thing where, like, if you are the if you have been summoned, like, or served with a with something. I, think I, you, I I've got jury duty yes. this week, and it's my obligation. I, I it's my obligation, so I'm the obligor to check in. Yes, you. It, yes, yes. Oh, we should do that right now. What? Checking for jury jury duty. We do it live on the phone. Won't that be fun? Do you have? Are you? Have you been summoned? Yeah. You were really? Yeah. I didn't know that. This is the first time hearing of it. Recorded message from the jury clerk's office. Please listen to the entire recorded message. I'll speed this up. No jurors are needed for. Wednesday. Fuck yeah! Take that due process. Please call again Wednesday evening after 5 p.m. for further instructions. Woohoo! I'm free. Way to Doing go. My duty. I had last time I had the only time I've ever had jury duty. I was called in and I had to sit through like three days of jury selection, uh. and like only to not get selected. But like for some reason, I had to I had to be there because I was one of the pool. Sure, it was rough. It was yeah. rough because I had to just sit there and watch these people, and I felt like I was an obligor I can't make it work. I was obligated to <laughs> you were, to yeah, actually you were pay attention though. Like I was th- that was the part that was the obligation. Like I couldn't just sit in there and play a video game because I felt like it was really important for me to hear what the reasons these people were being dismissed for. Right. I've always wondered if you were just like can you can 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 you be impartial? Just go, no. I think that at a certain point you... they they grill you on it. Like when I watched it yeah, happen. Yeah, but if you're like, I won't be impartial. I have no interest in being impartial. I don't care. I'm a jerk. I don't. Would know. you get like? Would you get contempted, or would they be like, you're doing it anyway? Or I'm, I'm just curious. You not, might I'm not get contempted. Do it. I think I think there's one of those things where you are obliged to mm-hmm. give it your best shot. Sure, and, sure, and sure, I think sure. That, that best shot means that you have to give a reason. Like everyone who I watched who said that they were they didn't feel like they could be impartial. Gave a reason. No, absolutely. And the judge, absolutely. the judge has to be the one who decide if that's a valid. If he agrees that that right. is something that would separate you from uh, objectiveness, objectivity. Right. So, so that's what I mean. Like, I don't think you could just go up there and be like, "I'm a poopy butthole. I don't want to do well, it." I think, well, just knowing the the kind that the um, the sheer amount of people and times this has happened, it has had to have happened one point where someone's like, "Well, then you're in contempt of court and you'll be held." For bail tonight and the like, whatever. I, I, I think the I'm easiest next way time too. to get around that would just be like I am like I'm actively like an anarchist and I do not believe that I do not recognize the authority of this area. I don't want it gotten around. I just want someone being obstinate. Well, again, I guess okay. I guess I didn't understand what you were looking for. If you were looking for an answer of could you or or do you want this to happen? <laughs> I want it to. I want to. I want. I want under my parameters someone to do that, and then I want to see what happens. Okay. Okay. So next time you call for jury duty. I'm not doing that. God damn it. I will just give my reasons for why I don't believe I'm able. Well, then you... Or or not. Like, it depends on what it is. Like, yeah. uh, like, like you know, if... There's a lot of reasons, but, like, sure. you know, you can always... I mean, people should do jury duty, for one thing. But, like, uh, at the same time, it is a... Bite in the ass? It is, but it's also, like, I mean... You can get cool cases. Like the one I was called for was a pretty gnarly murder, and that was like well publicized. So it would have been really interesting to sort of be a part of that and like see what that was about. Man, I don't have the attention span for it. I know. I was briefly in youth court. Oh, really? And we did a mock. What way? Uh, I I think like like not even. I was never in youth court. Let me rephrase. I did whatever like preliminary thing where okay. we kind of got the feel for it. Okay. Um, and we did a, um, a mock trial mm-hmm. and I was on the jury for that and immediately yelled at by the judge. Cause I was fucking around with the microphone and just like, I could not sit still. It was so dull. And that was probably a fraction of a real trial. Like even a fraction of a day of a real trial. I was just like, this is what this is like. Cause I was all excited. Like, Oh, I'm going to go be a youth lawyer or whatever. And this is fun. So boring. I'm like this, not for me. 
I need yeah, to listen I, to music or have a book or some gum or a fidget spinner, which weren't invented yet. Something. Yeah, I think that you would have had a hard time at the one I was at because it yeah. was because it was such a high profile case and there were so many reasons why time. someone. No, it wasn't they were taking their time. Oh. It was that the people who were like oh, being asked up to. Yeah, that was the only gotcha. part I went through was the selection right, process. Right, right. I wasn't selected. No, yeah, you said. I'm just uh... catching up. Well, I mean, it was really boring when you were talking, and I was mm-hmm. I was playing with this uh, this Beats headphone mm-hmm. holder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a judge, but that doesn't mean I'm not capable of contempt. <laughs> oh, almost went up my nose, but it didn't. Um, anyway, you would have had a, a rough time with that one because it yeah. was, like I said, about the three days is about six hours each day of yeah, sitting oh. there and watching and listening to these people tell you why they each person has to go through and each lawyer has to do their own bit. And those fucking lawyers really, really like giving examples like they say things like, do you understand what circumstantial evidence is? And then the person goes, I mean, yeah. And they're like, but do you really like if I said this example, how would you feel about that? And then it's just. I know that we that the one I went to, which fortunately, they got their jury within you know two hours, and I right. was out. Yeah, uh, that lawyer was just super like I'm having a good time with this, and I'm from another country, but I speak English pretty good, and I've got all these comedy bits I'm gonna do, and I just wanted to really do anything that would have distracted me from that. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you didn't have to go and deal with that. At least not uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'll probably won't. Like, if you're that far down the list, like... Well, you don't know how far down the list I am. They called jurors, uh, like, 60 through 100 today. I could be 101. You don't know. I'm not. But you don't know. But still, that's a... Out of 100, they just need 12. So, like... That that was just today, though. Like, they... I I know it's... Yes, I understand. (laughs) That it's... (laughs) Tomorrow's Wednesday, and they don't call juries on Friday, so that really just leaves Thursday, and they probably aren't going to call any more people this week. I understand. Well, that yeah, but what all I was really saying is the probability of not getting 12 out of 100 seems kind of low, and every one you get is the probability gets even you know smaller. So if you're far enough down the list, my point was if you didn't get called on the first day, yeah. you're probably good for for the whole thing, but you do have to keep calling in and that is annoying. So yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. I guess that was death reader. So next time we're just going to read the end to the end of the book. 42. Yep. Chapter 42 to the to end. The end. Wait. So do I read to the end or after the end? My book has a like little bit of the book Hannibal. I think is what it calls itself. Oh, don't read that here. Don't read that. Is a little bit of after Hannibal, so I could just continue reading past this. Let me see what mine's got. Would yours have anything as a digital copy? Sometimes. Hmm. Those Dritz to Orden books always included a chapter, I thought. Did they? Uh, no, it doesn't look like mine just ends with end. Hmm. So, But sometimes, yeah, there'll be like a, here, no, stay tuned for the, for the first exciting chapter of the next book in this series. Or here's something else by that author. Because he wants your money. Or she wants your money. I read books by anyone. I don't care. Cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's all I got. Um, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. I was looking at the BrickLink website. Is it the Lego thing? Yeah, it's the Lego trading website, or you know, you can buy from Lego collectors. And I've been, I had the Lego Dark Web. I've had my eye on buying a loose Voltron toy. Okay. Because I have one that's MIB. Right. Um, and I really like the box, and I like looking at it, and I don't want to no. take it out. Absolutely. Um, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and do some interrupting right now. Um. Is this loose disassembled? I mean, uh, help me understand how it would matter. 
I, I, I'm excited for the idea of you putting it together, and it would be lame if you received it in the mail and had to disassemble it only to put it together again. But I could, the, the opportunity to put it back together would still exist. So I, I take it from this line of answering that it does come assembled. You can take from this line of answering that I don't know because it... I don't know what you know because <laughs> I was you have not answered my question. You could have said I, just, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what part of the any answer would improve the story at this point. Look, I get excited about details. <laughs> you are a very active audience member. It's true. <laughs> Does it come with a manual? It comes with probably five. Okay. Um... Now, why don't you go ahead and tell me some more of your story? So I'll start. Uh, so the thing is, like, your questions, they they, they, they mean they, I, I mean, they're so irrelevant. <laughs> because um, the the real answer is it depends on which order you buy. So if I bought it mint in box, it would not come assembled. It would come with all the accoutrement and it would come in, in, in its own box. Sure. If I, if I bought one loose... Uh, it could come with missing pieces. It could come with okay. not a box. It could come with We've anything. already established this is the Lego dark web. I don't know what the rules are. Don't talk about Fight Club. You could, Bob had you could just tits. listen Maybe everyone to the there... story and no, then no. answers will Apparently come. Apparently I couldn't. At the Apparently time I couldn't because you don't know author, what the, the unspoken rule about assemblage is. is. Go ahead. Telling. <laughs> so... I'm so frustrated with you right now. <laughs> Just because it's so... It was such a good start to a segment of our show that could have been shared. And now there's this big balloon, like this big bubble of of, of diversion that the listener has to wade through to get well, to the thing that, I I, that may have been interesting. your intentions were. My intentions are to tell a story. <laughs> yes, but you have told me a story before, have you not? You know what's going to happen. No, do you I not? don't. I what I what I what I know is that you are working at being better at listening. <laughs> sure, but if your intent is to eventually have a piece that will be shared with listeners, you maybe want to give me a heads up. I said I'm recording. <laughs> if maybe that's a maybe that's a literal verbal cue. 131 times we've said, I'm recording, and we just go wherever without any sort of fetter on our conversation. Maybe, but... We have unfettered conversation. It's, it's fair, but uh, sometimes there's just a story that 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 has... That you, you may... I guess what I'm saying is, like... Uh, when you're When you're on a road trip and you see a road sign, you don't have to read it out. Every time you pass one. And Here's I feel one. like that the question you asked was the equivalent yeah. of being like, there's an exit ramp. <laughs> and and now I have to have that in the story and I have to go, well, do I do it's acknowledge It's unrealistic to assume that I might just read out signs as I pass them. That is the thing that very well could happen <laughs> on a road trip. Just, just so you know. So here's the story. Wait, wait, wait. Before it's you get to the story. Fuck. <laughs> I just want to let you know mm-hmm. that I'm going to take this entire thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to edit your story perfectly. I'm going to put that at the end. And then at the end of that will be all of this. Fantastic. So it's I'm going to start like over. three levels of Inception. I'm just going to start over. Go ahead. Thanks. You're welcome. Would you mind me taking a restroom break? Not at I all. Doug. I didn't realize I needed to. No, it's fine. This way through. You could do what you needed to do. But see, like you took one before the. Sh- it's you, you know. Sure I'm did. Just gonna, I'm just gonna. I'm just you want to go? Marley was dead, to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, tight-fisted hand at the grindstone Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous... The fog came pouring in at every chink and keyhole, and was so dense without, that although the court was the narrowest... Thank you. I wasn't doing anything. Okay. (laughs) I was, um, I was reading a Christmas carol aloud. 
Oh, wow. I don't know where that's going to go. It's not going to go anywhere. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. I just like to read. Yeah, I like, to, I like to talk. I like to make noise. Yeah, that's fine. Well, my family doesn't think so. You saw, well, you saw, there's... you saw, you saw, you saw Loki. Yeah, the show, yeah. Yeah, and the scene where they're in the elevator and Owen Wilson's all, oh, we both know that's not true. You love to talk, 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 talk. My whole family just turned and looked at me, and I was like, well, shit. Well, apparently what you're, not, to me. You're, you're not very good at a subterfuge. Or not talking, apparently. Subject talk. I like I like the vibrations as it comes out of my chest into the world. Okay. Also up here, like but kind of in the soft palate area, it just feels good to talk. You don't like talking? I mean, we have a podcast, right? So, so I mean, yeah. You're welcome. But, but like, I don't I don't know if I pay attention. I don't know if I get into the the vibrations of talking like uh, Thomas Harris would get into the smell of things. I like the smell of talking too. Weird. Um, do you want to start the show again? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. It. All right. So that brings us to chapter thirty-eight.